to episode 52 of the Online Chicken School podcast. Today we're talking about how to ethically get rid of an unwanted rooster. It's time for the Online Chicken School podcast. Whether you've been keeping chickens for years or you're just fixing to get started, we'll help you get your schooling. And now, here's the chicken tenders, Don and Susie. Hello, I'm Don, the big chicken tender. And I'm Susie, the little chicken tender. If you're interested in backyard chickens, you're in the right place. It doesn't matter if you have a whole lot of chickens out in the country or just a few somewhere in the city. This is where we share our knowledge, experience, and opinions to help you get the most out of your backyard flock. Okay, before we start talking about all the farm updates like we usually do, Mm -hmm. I want to do a little bit of podcast housekeeping to get started. Uh Uh-oh, okay, go ahead. One of the things that tends to fall under my wheelhouse is graphic design. Yes, it is. But there's one segment of graphic design that's really never been my favorite. Okay, what's that? Designing logos. Oh, that's right. You really beat yourself up on logos. I guess it's because way back, I started out as a web developer. Mm -hmm. And the thing about developing graphics for web pages is that web pages change. Right. So if you don't like the way it looks, you know, a month from now, two months from now, you can kind of recast the whole thing all over again. Mm -hmm. Logos are supposed to be a little more permanent than that. Right. Yeah. It kind of brands your image. It's who you are. Yeah. So it freaks you out a little bit because you understand while you're doing it that it's like, There's a lot of pressure. (laughs) I don't know anything about that because I have no creative talent at all. So it's no pressure for me. It's like you you have to get something that you're going to be happy with for a while. Mm -hmm. Now, we had designed an online chicken school logo way back when we started the podcast, but it was always sort of with the intent that I'm going to redesign it when I get to it. Mm -hmm. And in the past year and a half, there have been three, four times I've taken a stab at trying to come up with a new logo. And I'll like dedicate an entire weekend to sketching out ideas and obsessing about it nonstop. And so what ends up happening every one of those weekends is I lose an entire weekend and then I'm not happy with anything I put together. Mm -hmm. And I say, forget it. I'm not dealing with this for a while. (laughs) Right. All right. So a couple weeks back, we started playing with it again and um, came up with one that I don't hate. I think this one might actually work. I like it. I mean, you are all into the details and you'd call me in and you'd be like, okay, now what do you think of it? I don't know. It looks exactly the same as the last one you were working on a half hour ago. No, 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 no. See, the beak is different. (laughs) It's like, okay. See me, I'm not all into that detailed stuff, but boy, you really put a lot of work into that. And I think what you came up with is pretty darn cool. Well, I definitely like it better than our existing logo. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it, I just think it works. Well, and we previewed it on Facebook. So for anybody that's not following us, you missed out, but you can take a look at it at facebook.com slash online chicken school. We got some good comments. Uh, Even Gia, our good listener, she liked it. Well, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it about one more week. So go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash online chicken school. Or just go to our website, onlinechickenschool.com, and look at the show notes for this episode, which is 52, Mm -hmm. and you'll be able to see the new logo idea there, and this is your week to comment on it. That's right. Because at the end of the week, I'm going to close the bidding. (laughs) 
Okay. And then we're going to make a decision, and it's either going to stay or I'm back to the drawing board. Oh, my gosh. I hope everybody likes it because I can't take any more time with you away at the drawing board. <laughs> <laughs> but please, constructive comments only. Yeah, don't be a jerk about it. No, yeah. Remember, we do have feelings. <laughs> we are people, too. All right, so on to the updates. Okay, our first farm update topic of conversation is a little bit strange. Mm-hmm. I was talking with one of my coworkers the other day, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, if you guys ever have a spare hen or a spare rooster, my sister might want them. Because we just have them laying around just... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leftovers. Right. So I said, well, what's her situation? Does she have chickens? And she says, well, she did, um, but a couple weeks ago she went on vacation, and when she got back from vacation... Someone had stolen all of her chickens. Oh my. That's not fun to come home to. That is a little bit devastating. I would think so. I mean, maybe the chickens just left. Did she look for a note? (laughs) You know, it's like, hey, you left and went on vacation. Now it's our turn. Yeah, they didn't run away. They didn't leave a note. When she said, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they were eaten by a predator. Mm -hmm. And so I asked her, I said, well, are, were there any chickens left behind? Mm Mm-hmm. Or were there big piles of feathers anywhere? She says, no, just everything missing. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's uh, two-legged predators. (laughs) I always worry about that with our place. You know, we're on a pretty visible road, and we've got our chicken coops in the front yard. And, you know, with the prices of eggs the way they are, someone may drive by and go, you know, they got chickens, and eggs are really expensive. Maybe if I had their chickens, my eggs would be cheaper. Well, that's why I have cameras pointed all across the front yard. (laughs) Yeah, and the backyard and the side yards. <laughs> yeah, and there's signs on the gate that say, by the way, you're being watched by camera. Mm-hmm. But even so, I'm always a little surprised that nobody has tried to do something really stupid. Yeah. Well, I mean, you may call us paranoid, but hey, that's the world we live in. When I don't get it from a eggs are expensive viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Okay, so eggs are expensive. Uh, maybe I'm going to climb over somebody's fence and go take the eggs out of their nesting boxes. Mm-hmm. But you're going to steal the whole chicken? Well, and it's not like raising chickens is really cheaper. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so what is a suitable punishment for somebody who steals somebody else's flock? I have a feeling you have something in mind. I think it really involves one of those creative sentences you used to see like in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's like an 80s sitcom. It's like, you know, you offended somebody, so now you have to go work for them for a week. Mmm, clean chicken coops. Well, I'm thinking you steal somebody's flock, Mm -hmm. then you return the flock, and then you go sit in one of their chicken coops (laughs) until you've laid enough eggs to cover the time (laughs) that you had their flock. I like it. All right, so you have some updates about the Delawares. Yes, I do. Uh, Over the last couple weeks, uh, Gordo, our little puppy, has been exploring the chickens a little bit. And we had the Delawares in one of our smaller chicken tractors. And so we let them out and they kind of, I I don't know if bullying would be the right term, but they really went after him. You would think it would be the other way around. You think, dog, curious, never seen chickens. He's going to be all up in their grill. But they kept like chasing him, pecking at his collar because it's shiny. And then he'd try to lay down in the shade of their chicken tractor. 
And they like jumped on him and were pecking him, pulling his ears. It was, it was kind of sad. Well, you got a cute video of it where he's just laying there in the shade, mm-hmm. trying to get a little piece. And one hen came over and starts kind of pecking at him a little bit, pecking him in the face, uh-huh. grabbing at his ear. And he's trying to push that little pullet away. Right. And then about three or four more come over and join in the fight. Yeah, they just all piled on. And he was trying to be gentle, and he was. Um, and of course, like any good puppy mom, I went over and grabbed the camera <laughs> and started videoing instead of rescuing him. I guess that makes me terrible. Yeah, way to stand up for him. Yeah, but I was watching him closely. Um, obviously, I didn't want him to get hurt, but I think it's good for him to learn a couple lessons when he's young. Like, listen, you're here to to hate chickens, but you know, these are chickens that you're here to protect. You're not here to play with them. You're not here to make friends with them. You just keep your distance, you know, whatever you do, don't steal their shade. Well, I guess not. They didn't like that. So a couple days later, we moved them into the big chicken condo, uh, their big mansion in the backyard, a lot more room. And then we introduced Mr. Rooster. They were not impressed at all. We actually have two Delaware roosters. Mm-hmm. And the one that we want to use for mating, he's about three weeks older, I think, than the than the gals. Yeah, he's a lot bigger. So they haven't been raised in the same coop, and it just is about time to introduce him to them. Mm-hmm. So we let the girls out, and they were running around in the yard, and then we kind of just dropped him in the middle of them. You have never seen a group of gals so disinterested yes, in a man. I know. It's like they turned around, they looked at him, gave him the up and down and went, nah, it's all right, we're good. Yeah, they just kept leaving him behind it. He's just standing there like, uh, ladies? <laughs> I know. They did like that half flying across the yard to get away from him. Like, all right, I'm leaving this guy behind because <laughs> I, I just, I don't want anything to do with him. Well, and putting a rooster in with a new batch of hens is not the same thing as putting a new hen in with a batch of hens. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have all the same issues of taking a week to sort of integrate them because when you put the rooster in, theoretically, he becomes the head chicken no matter who's the head hen. Yeah, I'm not sure that that happened for quite a while. No, because after they wouldn't spend any time with them, we decided to just push them all into the coop and so Mm -hmm. they'd be kind of locked up together in a, a more confined space. Yeah, they still found a way for all the ladies to be on one side of the run and him to be on the other. It was like the most awkward teenage dance you've ever seen in your entire life. It was. That's exactly what it was like because he would be in the coop part and they'd be out in the run. And then he'd kind of like walk out into the run and they all like scoot around the outside and go into the coop. No matter where he was, they were in an opposite place and they wouldn't even look at him. Yeah. And I kept trying to give him pep talks. I would go over to his side and whisper through the uh, hardware cloth. I'm like, dude. I think Stella likes you. (laughs) Yeah. But we haven't come up with names for the Delawares yet. So Mm -hmm. just temporarily, I'm calling them Della, Ella, Stella, and Carmella. Yes. But there's two more. And they don't have names yet. Yeah. (laughs) And neither does the rooster. We got to come up with something. Yeah, we're going to have to have a little naming day. Now, he has been getting, I wouldn't say feisty with me. He's, He's getting his testosterone in. So this is that critical time of handling with him where... You know, it's if we don't get them under control now, it's going to be hard to in the future. So Don's been having me out there like every other day, grabbing them and walking around with them. 
Well, he has been doing the little mating dance every time I walk up. Kind of creeps me out a little bit. <laughs> like, dude, I'm not a chicken. <laughs> but he puts his one feather down and dances around in a circle. And then he kind of looks up at me, you know, with that eye that sees distance. And he's like, hey, I'm checking you out. And so I've been handling him a lot. Um, but I had put him down one day after carrying him around for probably about 10 minutes. And Max happened to be right there. Because when we're outside, Max kind of just sticks a little close to us to make sure I think we're okay. Yeah. He's very protective. He is. But he's very relaxed around chickens. Oh, he could care less about the chickens. We've seen chickens jump on top of him when he's laying down. I mean, kind of doing the same thing they did to Gordo, mm-hmm. but not quite pecking him in the face. But they'll jump on him. And they'll start picking the gnats out of him. I mean, they'll oh, just, yeah. you know, doesn't phase him in the least. He is so relaxed around mm-hmm. chickens. Well, Mr. Delaware Rooster wanted to impress his ladies, I think. So when Max came up to kind of sniff his behind, which the dogs do that all the time, waiting for that nice slot machine to pay off (laughs) with a nice warm treat, uh, that rooster turned around and started going after Max. And I don't know what the heck he was thinking. Well, he pecked him in the face a couple times really good. Yeah. And so Max turns around and goes, I'm going to flee this situation because... Don and Susie like these chickens, and it's not my place to eat them. But then the rooster decided to chase after Max. Uh-huh, bad idea. That did not go well, because Max got maybe 30 feet away, and the rooster is still chasing behind him. And then Max realized, you could just see the look on his face. He's like, whoa, I'm the dog here. <laughs> I'm not the one who runs. Yeah, something's wrong with this picture. So something just snap changed in him, and he just turned around and looked at that chicken. And then I think the chicken figured out what was going on, and he went, whoa, <laughs> Bad this <move. laughs> is not good. <laughs> so Don and I both saw this, and we're like, oh my gosh. So I ran over, and I was going to grab the rooster before Max could grab him, because now Max is chasing the rooster. And, yeah, I, and they're going around. I mean, they're literally running circles around the coop mm-hmm. at about 80 miles an hour. <laughs> I mean, that chicken... First of all, that rooster's eyes were so big. Yeah. I've never seen a chicken with eyes that big. He was scared. And Max was right behind him trying to take a couple of bites out of his behind. Uh-huh. Just to teach him a lesson. I don't think he was going to eat them, but I didn't want to take a chance. So I somehow caught up with them or whatever. I don't even remember exactly. And I grabbed the rooster's leg because that I just like, if Max gets any closer to this rooster, I don't know what's going to happen. So I grabbed the rooster's leg and just lifted him up because just get him out of the situation. And of course, Max is jumping now to get the rooster and Don's yelling and <laughs> it was such chaos. I'm like, I hope our neighbors are not watching this because this is hilarious to them probably. Well, the thing with Max is, again, he's very relaxed, but he's very protective of us and he's very protective of the property. Mm-hmm. And most of the time he listens to all the simple commands he knows. Right. But once he is locked onto a target, oh, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Nothing else in the world exists. You could poke him with a cattle prod and he won't care if he's on the scent of a raccoon. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, that's things. Hey, I got work to do. Right. And that's the way he was fixated on this rooster. So anyway, Don grabbed him. I grabbed the rooster. We separated them, put everybody where they were supposed to be. And we have not had problems since, which is good. Max has been keeping his distance from the coop, 
And whenever the rooster sees Max, he actually goes in the coop. <laughs> so I think they've got an understanding worked out now, but that could have been really bad. I've come to an arrangement. <laughs> you stay over there, or I'll stay over here. That's right. And now, the news, news, news. Okay, today in the chicken news, I guess we just got a lot of weirdness going on. Mm-hmm. The first thing I want to talk about is a list that was published in Time Online. Okay. This is the world's richest pets. When you showed this to me, I pictured dogs and cats. You know, rich people, they love their dogs and cats. So, obviously. It is mostly dogs and cats. However, rising up two spaces to number three on the countdown. <laughs> okay. Is Gigu the chicken. Can you believe it, everybody? A chicken the made the list. Not only made the list, she's the third richest pet in the world. That's amazing. This chicken was the pet of publishing mogul Miles Blackwell. Never heard of him. No idea who that is. <laughs> Didn't even bother to look it up on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm, but he is a mogul. Miles' wife died. And then a month later, he died. And they gave most of their fortune to charity. That's very nice. But they really loved Gigu the chicken. <laughs> so they left her somewhere between 10 and 15 million Dollars. That is one rich chicken. <laughs> what is she going to do with all that money? I just, I'm trying to imagine how a hen deals with $15 million. Yeah. I mean, where do you spend it? I mean, I understand maybe bottled water, um, cricket delivery every day for your meals, maybe. I don't know. Well, but- first of all, I'm done with this laying nonsense. Oh, yeah. Forget you can that. just forget the eggs. I'm a millionaire chicken. I am never laying an egg again in my life. That's right. I tell other chickens to lay eggs. (laughs) I have people that do that for me now. (laughs) Her handlers come in and she gives them a look like, hey, why don't you lay an egg? That's right. I'm the millionaire. I just can't even imagine. Imagine. Okay. Wouldn't it be funny to me because I'm not part of that family, but let's say this mogul had some nephew somewhere and, you know, Uncle Mogul dies and you go, all right, finally my payday. And you go to the reading of the will and the executor says, okay, they gave to this charity and this one. You're like, oh yeah, he was a real philanthropist. And then they skip you out completely, but give $10 million to a chicken. Would you not be like totally ticked off? Well, first of all, that's not the worst case scenario. What is? Like them forgetting you completely is where you can go home and say, my gosh, he just, something happened and he forgot about me. Mm-hmm. The worst thing would be like, they left him like a hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? You always said you like this hat on me. I'm leaving it to you, nephew. Mm-hmm. And then the chicken gets $15 million. <laughs> You're walking home with a crumpled old hat. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking whoever is the caretaker of the chicken mm-hmm. is like cha-ching. I guess so. Hopefully that chicken lives a long time so it pays off for everybody. Yeah, it's like, as long as I stay on the chicken's good side, I've got it made. I don't know. You got to love your chicken an awful lot to leave that kind of money to a chicken instead of somebody or a organization. Well, when I first saw the list, I'm thinking, okay, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my life. Mm -hmm. However, we actually did something similar with our three dogs. Yes. There is not one person 
in our natural families mm-hmm. that would want or can be even trusted with our three dogs. <laughs> That's right. They can't handle those with three maniacs. They're not uh, dog people. Let's just say it that way. Some of them aren't even people people. <laughs> okay. Like, a few of them shouldn't even be around people, much <laughs> less pets. Well, and hopefully they don't listen to this because they'll all be wondering who those people are. No, they know. Okay. But we are very lucky in the fact that one of our neighbors really loves the three of those dogs. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think she likes them just as much as we do. Yeah. She has two German Shepherds of her own. And every time we go on vacation, she gladly comes over every morning and every evening to feed the dogs before work and after work. Mm Mm-hmm. And even play with them for a half hour, 45 minutes, just to make sure that they don't get bored. She's something. She is really, really sweet. So, you know, we had, you know, talked about it before. We were kind of rewriting our wills uh, about six months ago. Mm-hmm. And we said, you know, what would we do with the dogs? And so we thought, you know, this neighbor is the one that should get them if she wants them. Mm-hmm. So I went over and talked to her and I said, listen. I know this is weird, but we're talking about our wills and we're just trying to figure out what happens to the dogs and we don't want them to just end up in the pound, which quite frankly is what would happen if we left them to any of our family. Mm -hmm. They would end up in the pound and that would just kill me. Oh, yeah. And I said, any chance at all that you would be interested in taking one or all of them? And she didn't bat an eye. She's like, absolutely. I want all three of them. I don't want anybody else to have them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it would kill me to see them go anywhere else. They should be here, you know, very close to their home. <laughs> right. Now, that was when we had Shep. I wonder if she feels the same way about Gordo. <laughs> well, she will. Yeah. She probably already does. She's got the biggest heart. Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't tell her this part, but then we said, you know, we want to make sure that if she takes the three dogs, they're not a burden to her. Right. You know, she's pretty close. She's a few years from retirement. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't want it to like be a drain on her. Right. So we said, all right, in our will, there is a certain amount of money actually dedicated to each dog <laughs> that we, we kind of did a little research on the internet and said, this is how much it costs to raise a dog roughly from birth to death. Just designate that for each dog. And if she takes one dog, she gets that amount. And if she takes three dogs, she gets three times that amount. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a, I don't know what to call it. So basically each dog has an inheritance <laughs> that... If she's the caretaker, she gets to take care of them. Well, and thank goodness I won't be around for this. But again, at the reading of the will, I can just imagine our families going, what? (laughs) The dogs are what? (laughs) There will be people who go, wait a minute. The dog got money and I didn't? (laughs) Yeah. It's going to be a surprise. (laughs) Yeah, but check out this hat. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's the one I wore when I was gardening, so it's got a lot of sweat stains on it. (laughs) It's got character. Okay, so wrapping up the whole rich pet discussion, Mm -hmm. I guess we should talk about who came in at number one. It's a German shepherd named Gunther. What a cool name, huh? That is a good name for a German shepherd. Mm -hmm. Good German name, good German shepherd name. (laughs) So Gunther the German shepherd, he inherited 145 million dollars. I don't even know how to process that. (laughs) I don't either. Okay, so they actually talked about what Gunther did spend his money on. Oh, okay. What did he do? Okay, well, when you have $145 million in your German Shepherd, 
One of the privileges of life is that you can actually buy Madonna's old Miami house. Did he, like, request that house? How did they know he really liked it? Again, I'm going back to the caretaker sort of uh, taking over that fund. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But I don't know. Maybe Gunther was just a big Madonna fan. Maybe. He kind of walked up to the house and started marking his territory, and they decided, oh, he must really like this place. <laughs> Well, another thing that Gunther likes is rare white truffles. Oh, jeez. That cost about $1,500 a piece. Ay, ay, ay. I don't like mushrooms. So I totally don't get that, but really? Yeah, we're a long way from begging strips <laughs> with the white truffles. Mm-hmm. We better not have our dogs talk to Gunther because uh, they would not be very happy with what we give them as treats. <laughs> Well, what are the odds of our dogs finding themselves in Miami in Madonna's old neighborhood? Hey, I don't know. It's I, Florida. I'm pretty sure it's a gated community to start with. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, our dogs are riffraff compared to that. <laughs> okay, so moving on to another little weird news article I found. Mm -hmm. This is actually an opinion piece written by Daniel Fontaine, who's the co-founder of the City Caucus, which is a news website in Vancouver, Canada. Oh, I like Vancouver. We actually went there a couple years ago. We were going on a cruise to Alaska and we started off in Vancouver. So we spent the first night there, walked around some of the city and even took like a little city tour. It was really beautiful. And just fascinating because they're, they're in love with trees. Mm -hmm, yeah. So they have trees planted throughout the city, like in front of every business. It's like a modern city, but with greenery everywhere. Which is very odd to see. And like every light post had hanging plants, which I thought was beautiful. I don't know what happens in the winter there, but it was very, very pretty when we were there in the summer. All right. So this opinion piece is from 2009. Mm -hmm. So six years ago, Vancouver had just decided to allow urban chicken keeping on residential property in the city. Mm hmm. Now, they hadn't enacted it yet, so they decided to allow it, but it just hadn't become law yet. Kudos, Vancouver. Now, the problem is, Daniel Fontaine, not a big fan of the urban chicken keeping idea. So he wrote this opinion piece about how Vancouverites... Vancouverins? Vancouveronians. It's about his reasons that Vancouverites should not have chickens. Okay, let's hear it. All right, first thing is... When they stop laying eggs in three or four years, the Vancouverites will end up just dumping them in the SPCA. Well, and you can see why that would be a legitimate concern. I mean, that does happen here. Um, you know, you start allowing backyard chickens and occasionally a chicken will end up at the shelter. That's true. You see that uh, shelters are trying to figure out what to do with chickens now that the backyard chicken movement has really taken off and you get people who sort of try it for a little while and then decide they don't really care for it. And they do take the lazy way out of just dumping them in the shelter. And if you're a chicken keeper and you decide you don't want to have chickens anymore, please don't do this. No, I mean, if you put them on Craigslist or Facebook, not only could you charge for them, but heck, if you put them up for free, they would be gone in like two and a half minutes. All right, so his second opinion was that if you don't dump your chicken in the SPCA... People will then kill their chickens. But the problem is, in Vancouver, you can't throw an animal carcass in the trash. <laughs> so all these chicken carcasses are going to start piling up. 
what do people do when like a family pet dies? Let's say a cat or a dog. I'm sure you can't just throw them in the trash either. Yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of pet cat and dogs in Vancouver. So that's a mm-hmm. good point. Where do those go when they pass away? My guess is if you go through Vancouver, there are parts of the city where you just have giant piles of expired cats and dogs piled up. Well, I don't know where Daniel lives, but uh, that was not on the tour. You know, we're sneaking up on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what Halloween is like in those neighborhoods? That is um, something I don't ever want to see. Hey, Bob, listen, I got a great idea. Let's go hide behind that big pile of dead dogs over there. And then when the trick-or-treaters go by, we'll jump out and scare the living daylights out of them. (laughs) That would scare me, that's for sure. (laughs) Okay, so here's my favorite part of Daniel's argument and the whole reason I wanted to talk about this in the first place. Mm -hmm. Daniel says that chickens are not pets. Never will be pets. They just can't be. And the only reason anybody wants to have a chicken in their backyard is to save the environment. Because in his words, people who grow their own food don't need to drive to the supermarket as much. Hence, fewer carbon emissions. Well, see, I didn't know we were such environmentalists. I mean, I like the environment, but I got to tell you, that is not... Even on the top 100, I don't think I ever even thought of that when we were considering getting chickens. I don't think anybody has. I don't know what kind of world this guy lives in. Mm -hmm. But he reminds me of the mayor of East Syracuse, Robert Jackwagon. (laughs) I don't think that was his last name. It is now, as far as I'm concerned. Two episodes ago, we talked about the mayor of East Syracuse, and he said the only reason anybody keeps chickens is because they don't have a grocery store nearby. Yeah, I guess they, they may be related. It's just one of those things. You ever notice how like when somebody doesn't have two brain cells to rub together, (laughs) they can't argue an opinion. They can't have an opinion. All they're capable of doing is sort of redefine what the other side's argument is to something really stupid and then go, look how easily I can defeat this. It's so easy. Mm -hmm. Okay. But nobody has ever made that point. I have never heard anybody say, hey, everybody get chickens so that we can save the world. (laughs) Well, I just didn't realize that we got all these chickens. We must be saving a ton of gas then because we don't have to drive anywhere since we have chickens. Well, over the summer, we had 40 chickens. I'll bet you we didn't spend one penny on gas. No, but what happened when we pared them down to like 25? Oh, I bet our gas bill went way up. (laughs) All those extra trips to the grocery store. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yes. And by the way, if you're wondering how he turned into such a thinker, before he was the co-founder of this little news website. Mm -hmm. He was the chief of staff to the mayor of Vancouver. Oh my. There's something about spending time in or around the mayor's office. It's like inhaling too much furniture polish. Mm -hmm. Apparently. It does something to the old brain. (laughs) But when I was rereading this, it made me wonder if maybe Daniel was trying to argue that People shouldn't have cats or dogs in Vancouver either. Okay, why is that? Well, because the shelters are full of them. Well, that's true. You can't argue that. That's right. It's illegal to throw a dog or a cat in the trash once it's expired. He admitted that, yes. And every dog has the carbon footprint of like two large SUVs. Well, that's a good point is the fact that if you go by his standards, Mm -hmm. nobody should be allowed to have dogs or cats. They should just be illegal. Right. Plus, last time I checked, dogs and cats stop laying eggs long before chickens do. (laughs) 
I mean, hens give you eggs for a good four or five years. I have never seen a dog or cat come close to that. <laughs> okay. Um, now, we've been having a little fun with Daniel's doomsday predictions, but because this article is six years old, uh, you actually wanted to see if those predictions came true. Yeah, because maybe we're being terribly unfair. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe he was right. I mean, this had six years. He said most of these things were going to happen after three or four years when people's chickens stopped laying. Mm-hmm. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt and let's just check his track record before we make fun of him. Okay, go Although ahead. I think that's too late. <laughs> First, he said that chicken keepers are going to dump all their old chickens in the SPCA. So I went to the SPCA website for Vancouver to see the thousands of chickens that have been dumped there over the last six years. Mm -hmm. Guess how many I found? 200. Not one. Wow. And before you say, well, yeah, but they only put cats and dogs. No, they had every other farm animal imaginable. (laughs) They had horses. They had pigs. They had sheep. They had goats. They even had two dogs. Ducks. Hmm, but no chickens. Not, no chickens. Not one chicken. And by the way, that wasn't just for Vancouver because the SPCA for Vancouver is actually the SPCA for all of British Columbia. Hmm. So in the entire giant region of British Columbia, there was not one chicken in any branch of the SPCA. We'll take that, Daniel. So that's one to the no. Okay. Now the second prediction. All right, well, how are we going to find out if there's any piles of dead chickens on the side of the road Mm -hmm. because the garbage man won't pick them up? Right. How'd you find that? Well, first I looked on Google Maps on the satellite view. Okay. And I scouted around and I'm just looking and I couldn't find any piles of dead chickens anywhere. Well, that's good. I would hope not. (laughs) And then I thought, well, maybe that's not the way you find it. So then I did a Google image search for dead chickens on the side of the road in Vancouver. You know what? Nothing. Wow. Not one image of all the chickens that are supposedly been piling up for the past six years. I'm shocked that he was wrong. So I'm going to call that one two to the no. I'm sorry, you're terrible at predicting the future (laughs) of how government regulations affect people. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that's why you don't work for the mayor anymore. Pretty sure. All right, so why are we talking about all this? I have no idea. You had a slow news day. Well, there's that and the fact that we sort of just accept the fact that We're allowed to keep chickens now, so pretty much everybody is, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But there are still many, 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 many communities that are still arguing right now about the whole chicken-keeping movement. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're trying to decide, is this right for our city or is it not? If you live in one of those places, you're going to hear an awful lot of talk like this. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe not as crazy as this, because this is a special brand of crazy. (laughs) But you constantly hear, the entire city is going to smell like chicken poo. Mm Mm-hmm. All you're going to hear are chickens clucking everywhere you go. Right. All the doomsday predictions. And you know what? Of all the cities that have passed chicken keeping ordinances, uh, none of this has come to pass. Right. So I guess if you're in a town that does not allow chickens and your commissioners or your government officials are going to be talking about this at like a meeting, it would be a good idea for you to show up so that you can counter some of this craziness. Yeah, don't count on the fact that your elected officials are smart enough to research the issue themselves and come up with well-formed opinions. Mm -hmm. Make sure you get involved. You have to go there and tell them what their opinion is. Right. Because if you don't, someone else will. Like Daniel. And the other thing is, if you live in a community that already allows chicken keeping, 
Don't just be dancing around saying, I'm allowed to keep chickens now, so I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to allow them to become a nuisance to my neighbors and make my neighbors regret that they ever allowed this. Right. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that once your community allows chicken keeping, other communities will be looking to you as an example of whether this works out or not. Mm-hmm. So be a responsible chicken keeper. Don't let your chickens be a nuisance to anybody. Mm-hmm. Buy off your neighbors with fresh eggs. That always works. Yeah. So that when people start poking around and saying, how's it working out for this community? They say, you know what? People love it. That's right. That's a good idea. Okay. We did get one really nice review on iTunes this week, and it comes from Kim. Yeah. She says, since becoming a hen keeper, I have been burrowing into research to minimize mistakes. And after listening to a few other podcasts, I found myself in Don and Susie's world. What a scary place. God help her. (laughs) Over the past week or so, we have listened to all of the archives and are waiting with bated breath for the next upload. Now that's dedication right there. I gotta tell you. Yeah, because that's a lot of episodes to listen to in a week. Yeah. I mean, I binge listen, but wow. Kudos. Uh, My five-year-old son, Josiah, jumps in the car from school and immediately screams, chicken cast, chicken cast. Though I'm often already listening in the car line, so I just start it from the beginning and we recite the openers with y'all. You have us learning, laughing, my son asking questions to make sure we are doing things y'all recommend, and teaching my husband things he learned on the chicken cast that day. We are just a little over an hour north in Dade City and hope someday to meet the chicken tenders when they have available chicks, though it seems like we already know them. Have a great week, Don and Susie, and keep casting. Well, Kim, thank you so much for that really awesome review. Mm -hmm. And I want to point out that Kim posted on our Facebook page a little video of Josiah doing... A chicken tenders impression. It was pretty adorable. He, I guess, is learning about lacto-fermentation because he said it a lot. And I just couldn't stop watching it because he is just the cutest thing. Well, and I'll tell you what. It has me a little nervous for my job security. <laughs> yeah, you think Josiah is going to take over your job? Well, at first I thought, you know, he could probably fill in for us when we're on vacation. But now, you know, I'm like a little nervous. Yeah, I don't know if we should even risk that. Well, great job, Josiah, on your video. And thanks again, Kim, for the great review. All right, well, before we get to the main feature today, I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping on Amazon this week, consider going to our website first at onlinechickenschool.com and clicking on the Amazon link over there. It's going to take you to the same Amazon site that you know and love, and you're going to pay the exact same price for the things you buy, but Amazon will give us a little bit of a commission, and that really helps us pay some of the podcasting bills. So if you like the show and you want to help us keep it up, just go to onlinechickenschool.com and click on the Amazon link to make all your Amazon purchases. Some of you are doing this on a regular basis, and we really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. There they go again. More shameless self-promotion. Okay, for the main feature today, we're discussing ethical ways to get rid of an unwanted rooster. Mm-hmm. Now, for most chicken keepers, this is something that you're probably going to have to figure out one day. Yeah, at some point, if you keep enough chickens, you're going to end up with a rooster most likely. Let's say that you're going to go to a local hatchery and you're going to buy some chicks. And they say, we've got these chicks available, here's the breed, and we sell them as a straight run. Now, straight run means that they are not sexed. We're a very small hatchery. 
But most hatcheries like us, we don't sex the chickens because it is way too difficult. <laughs> and even when they say they do, uh, we found out from personal experience they're not very good at it. No, absolutely not. So you're really going to end up with 50% males, 50% females. Sometimes it's more males, sometimes it's more females, but it usually works out somewhere around 50-50. So that means when those little buggers grow up a little bit, you're going to have to get rid of about half of them. Mm-hmm. So if you want six laying hens, that means you're going to have to get 12 chicks or around there, yeah, hoping to get six females, and that means you're going to have to get rid of six cockerels. Mm-hmm. Fun times. Now, you may say to yourself, self, why don't I just order from an online hatchery? Because they say I can order only females because they're sexing them. And they employ the best chicken sexers on the planet. Mm -hmm. So they do a really, really nice job of separating the males and females. Mm -hmm. But even on their own websites, they say they are 90% accurate. And you say, wow, 90%, that's huge. But if you have a minimum order of, I don't know, sometimes 20, 25, guess what? You're going to end up with two or three males probably. So you're still going to have some cockerels to get rid of. Mm-hmm. And by the way, here's a neat little trick that some of the hatcheries do. If you live in a place that gets a little cooler in the fall and toward the winter, they get worried that... 25 chicks aren't going to be enough to keep each other warm. Mm -hmm. So as a little surprise, even if they got your order correct and only put hens in your box, uh, some of them will actually take a bunch of male chicks and throw them in there just as like basically living little styrofoam peanuts mm -hmm. just to keep the rest of the birds warm to make sure none of them die in transit. So you'll open your box and you'll say, oh my gosh, I ordered 25 chicks but there's like 32 chicks in here. This is amazing. Until about 10 to 12 weeks later when those bigger hens start crowing. <laughs> yeah, whoops. <laughs> Guess I know why they were thrown in for free. And now you still have cockerels to get rid of. Now, one of the surefire ways to only get females, and this is the only way I know of that you are 100% guaranteed to get females, is to buy a sex link chick. Now, a sex link is a hybrid chick that's derived from a purebred rooster of one breed and a hen purebred from another breed. And there's certain combinations of two breeds that we know when you put them together, you end up with chicks that the males look different from the females. Mm -hmm. So the very day they hatch, you're able to look at them and know by the way they look that those ones are the males and those ones are the females. And that's 100% of the time. We hatch out what we call dot rocks. And these are chicks that come from mating our gold lace Wyandotte rooster with our barred rock hens. Mm -hmm. And what happens is all the chicks will hatch out being covered in black fuzz. Right. Except the males will all have a little white patch of fuzz on their head mm -hmm. and the females don't. So right away, you know, the ones with the dot on their head are the males and the ones without it are all the females. Now that is great for the consumer. Our dot rocks are our most popular because... A lot of the people that come to us don't live on a little farm. They don't live out in the country. They live in an urban neighborhood and they've got neighbors real close. They don't want to deal with getting rid of a cockerel. So they are guaranteed that they're going to have all females. And these dot rocks are amazing layers, by the way, and super sweet. So they fly out the door. They are like the first ones out the door. <laughs> but one of the big problems is that 
sex links tend to look a little plain. Mm -hmm. Most of them are either all black or all red. And one of the reasons people tend to like chickens is just the unbelievable color variety. That's true. So you'll find people that even though they are a good candidate for sex-linked chickens, it's like, yeah, but I want one of those pretty black and white ones. And then I want one of those gold lace Wyandots. And they're all mm -hmm. so pretty. I want to have those in my flock. Right. That's true. And there's nothing wrong with that. But again, you are very likely at some point going to have to get rid of some cockerels. All right. So that's what our topic is about today. How do you ethically get rid of an unwanted cockerel? So let's talk about what we mean when we say in an ethical way. Okay. First of all, we believe that cockerels should have as normal and natural a life as possible until it's time for them to go bye-bye. Right. I mean, when we are raising up chicks, they are treated the same way as all the other birds. We handle them. We give them treats. We love them. We give them attention. They are all treated the same. They get everything the same because we want them to have the chicken life as much as they can. Mm -hmm, definitely. Okay, now the second thing on our list is that when it is time to go, the end that they meet should serve some sort of purpose. Right. Now, I always love it when someone says, you know, I've got a flock of hens. I've had some problems in the past with predators, so I want a rooster that'll kind of protect the girls but that isn't aggressive. And we could say, wow, we've got these dot rock males and that fits the bill perfect. They're not as aggressive as, let's say, a Rhode Island Red, but they will keep the, the ladies company. You're not going to be hatching out the eggs, that's for sure, because it'd be a mutt chicken. But if they can be rehomed into another flock, awesome. I love it when we can do that. And the rooster likes it too. Oh, I'll bet. It's uh, pretty much the best solution for him. He's going to live a long and a, a productive little rooster life. But when you are trying to rehome a rooster, you really need to be very honest and clear about what you have. You don't want to mislead people. That's always going to backfire on you. Yeah. For instance, sometimes roosters will grow to be a little aggressive. Mm-hmm. Rhode Island Reds are just known for becoming aggressive no matter what you do with them. Right. Doesn't mean you can't find one that isn't, but for the most part, they are. Mm -hmm. If you've got a Rhode Island Red cockerel and you can tell he's already getting aggressive and that's just the way he is and you don't want him around your children, you're going to rehome him somewhere else. Let the people know what his situation is. Don't mm -hmm. just say, hey, really nice rooster would be great for a family with small children. <laughs> yeah. And wave as they're driving away and the rooster is in the backseat of the car going nuts on their kids. Mm-hmm. Because trust me, someone will come get them. And really, don't kid yourself into thinking that if someone's coming to pick up your rooster, the only reason they're coming for him is so that he'll have a nice, wonderful, long rooster life. I mean, you may have to kind of face the fact that he may be someone's dinner. And that's okay, too. If you are a vegetarian, you will not see that as a nice, purposeful end to a young cockerel. Mm -hmm, probably not. However, if you are a chicken meat eater and you think that that is really cruel, well, then you're just a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, sorry to be so blunt. And if you consider the fact that this chicken lived as a normal chicken for 10 weeks or so, maybe up to 16 weeks. Mm-hmm. That's as long as it's going to live, and then it is going to provide a healthy meal for a family. Right. That's not a bad end. Mm -hmm. Again, if you're a meat eater. Right. <laughs> and I know there's going to be a couple people out there who say, 
Yeah, but that is incredibly cruel, and you should just go get your meat from the store like I do, because that's less cruel. Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, if you have any concept at all of how the birds in the store live their life before they end up in the store, mm-hmm. you would not have that argument. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but let's just say, first of all, they live half as long. Right. Second of all, it's under incredibly miserable conditions. Mm-hmm. You could not look at the way they're raised and say, Wow, that chicken's having a good time. Yeah, but you don't see that when all you see is them under the cellophane in the grocery store. Um, you know, we're so far removed from our food now. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when grandma used to send uh, her grandson out in the back with an axe and say, go get dinner. No one ever thought anything negative about that. It was just kind of part of life. Exactly. So think about the fact that if that chicken who did get to spend somewhere between 10 and 16 weeks with other chickens, mm-hmm. free ranging, lots of fresh air, fresh grass, bugs. That's a much better life than the chicken it's replacing that would have come from the store. Well, it was really amazing when we um, processed our first batch of birds that we were going to eat. It's really interesting the way it made me feel. During the process, I had such a greater respect for that chicken that gave its life for a meal for me. You know, it really it really doesn't mean anything when you go pick up chicken from the store. You're like, okay, you don't think about it. It's just something under the cellophane. But when you raise that chicken and you look it in the eye before you cull it, there's, there's an amazing kind of circle of life connection, I guess. I don't mean to get all weird and sappy, but it-, it Well, but when, when you put that in the refrigerator- Mm-hmm. That meant something more than the one sitting next to it that you had bought from the grocery store the other right, day. Right, right. There true. was more significance to it because you you knew that chicken and you very clearly understood what it sacrificed so that you could have a meal. That's right. Whereas the other one, although intellectually you knew that that's where it came from, you didn't have a connection to that at all. Mm-hmm. So there was like a greater respect for the product that you end up with at the end. Mm -hmm. And I think you treated it differently too. Like those chickens that we process, you wouldn't dare think of wasting a part of them. Oh, right. Yeah. You use every little bit of it. And again, I think that's something we've lost that our ancestors did. You know, they used every part of everything. Tatanka. (laughs) Okay. So, so far our little ethical rules were... The chicken leads as natural and normal a chicken life as is possible until it meets its end. Mm-hmm. That whatever the end game is, it serves some sort of purpose. Mm-hmm. And the last one on our list is we want to make sure that it doesn't get used for some cruel purpose. Right. And really what we're talking about here is cockfighting. You know, we're in Florida and you always think, oh, Miami has all the cockfighting rings and things. And a really rich German shepherd living in Madonna's house. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Miami and the big cities aren't the only places where cockfighting goes on. I mean, every once in a while, you'll see in the local news that another cockfighting ring was broken up in a small little town like ours. And the thing is, you say, well, my rooster is not a fighter. He might be a jerk sometimes, but he's no, you know, he hasn't been trained to be a cockfighter. Mm -hmm. So no person in their right mind is going to come pick up my rooster and then take him to enter into cockfighting. But that's not what happens. 
what people are looking for is they're kind of scouring Craigslist and saying, I'm looking for a chicken I can pick up that doesn't cost me anything mm-hmm. that I can use to train my rooster to fight and kill. Right. So basically what they're doing is scooping up chickens to be cannon fodder for the roosters they are training. Right. And nobody that has a backyard flock that's trying to rehome a rooster wants that. You'd be hard-pressed to think of anything more disturbing and disgusting. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Now, you may remember on the last episode, we talked about downsizing our flock, that we sold uh, some of our pullets and some of our cockerels. And how we do that is normally through Craigslist and Facebook. I mean... Come on. That's where everything gets bought and sold nowadays. The thing is, it is the most effective way to reach the good people that you do want to take your cockerel and your rooster. But it's also the most effective way to reach the scumbags mm-hmm. who would come get your cockerel or your rooster for really bad purposes. Mm-hmm. So how do you filter them out? Right. Now, our ads, depending on the bird we're getting rid of, Let's say it's one of our Rhode Island Reds, who is a full-grown rooster. It would read something like, uh, free rooster has been aggressive, or free rooster not for homes with children, or something like that that kind of gives the impression that, listen, this rooster is aggressive. If you have kids, this is not for you. Yeah, because although we will explain more when people call, we don't want to explain 452 times. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you're looking for a cute little rooster to use as a pet in your backyard, this is not the one. Right. And by the way, you still do get about 50 of those. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I saw your thing. Is that good with children? Did you read the ad? <laughs> That's the way we kind of weed out, first of all, the people that really shouldn't have an aggressive rooster like people with kids. Okay, so this brings up a little story. Mm-hmm. Because when we were attempting to find a new home for our Rhode Island Red Rooster, we placed an ad that sounded something like what Susie said. Besides Craigslist, Susie also posted the ad on a few of the local farming Facebook pages. Mm -hmm. And so you get the usual inquiries to begin with. Then we get this snarky little response from a local woman named Wanda. Yeah, not nice. Wanda starts off the conversation with, nice way to advertise your rooster for cockfighting. Yeah. (laughs) I gotta tell you, I didn't respond. I was pretty upset by it because if anybody knows us, they know that that is the furthest thing from what we're doing. And to have someone that doesn't know you at all, has never met you, doesn't know your screening process for people... To just assume that ticks me off. But I really should expect it with how people are on social media these days. So I don't know why I was surprised. Well, that's the thing is we have a great Facebook following. Mm -hmm. Very nice people on our Facebook page. But Facebook in general, uh, it's a mindless void. Mm -hmm. You know, basically, you don't have to be on the web very much to look in comment sections, to look on Facebook, to look in forums to realize that there's a lot of people out there that nobody in their entire stupid life has ever (laughs) listened to any word they say. Mm -hmm. And they're just sitting at home in their pajamas waiting for someone to post something so that they can give their stupid opinion. Yeah. That means nothing. Mm -hmm. Enter Wanda. (laughs) 
Don actually had to do the responding for me because everything I thought of to respond with was not nice. Well, the thing is, I don't want to get into a back and forth on Mm -hmm. what we said and what she said, but needless to say, this went back and forth maybe 10 to 12 times. Yeah. It went back and forth a lot. And we started off with like, where do you get that from? I mean, that's kind of a really judgmental thing to jump to. And every time she responded, she would just step up the accusation that we are raising chickens for cockfighting mm-hmm. and trying to sell them. Oh, God, very personal. And she doesn't even know us. I like to have intellectual discussions with people. Mm-hmm. And we've had people challenge us before. And the thing is, when somebody has a different opinion on social media, they think they have to be a jerk. Right. You know, so they start off jerky. But if you have a point, I'm like, let's just have a conversation. You know, mm-hmm. let's talk about it. And, you know, I'm open to new ideas and. And I'll talk about why we think the way we do. And we've had people even regarding the podcast challenge us. You know, well, mm-hmm. why did you say this? Or I can't believe you said that. And then after a couple back and forths, um, almost every time they say, wow, I can't believe you like listened to my point and you were really nice about it. I was expecting like a big fight. Right. Never had a problem. Mm-hmm. That is not the way that this conversation went. <laughs> no. This conversation got worse and worse. And basically, no matter what we said, She was just going to keep saying, hey, you guys are raising chickens for cockfighting. And the point she kept coming to was, you said that that rooster is aggressive. Yes, we said the rooster is aggressive because we don't want someone to come take it as a pet for their children. Mm -hmm. And she said, (laughs) she got really condescending and said, you have to put on the ad to a good home only to keep away the cockfighters. Yeah, I think your head almost exploded when you read that one. It was like, okay, what kind of world do you live in where if you just say free rooster to a good home, all the people that are interested in cockfighting would say, oh, shoot, I was going to use that bird for cockfighting, but good home, I don't think I have a real good home, so I'm not going to go get it. Darn, I guess my hands are tied. Now I can't go get that rooster. Right. It's like, are these are these magic words? They must be. I felt like my eyes were bleeding just reading that. <laughs> well, eventually it got to the point where I just had to delete the whole post because you have something like that happen. It kind of consumes your whole life for a while. And all you can think about is that. And then you're like, why am I letting this person take up any more space in my head? We know what we do. We don't have to explain it to anybody, you know? So it's just like, okay, let's delete it and move on with our life. But we thought it was an interesting thing to bring up on the podcast. <laughs> well, because, you know, you see this a lot. You know, it's not just a chicken thing, but you'll see it with dogs. You know, people who do dog fighting do the exact same thing. They go scoop up the free ones on Craigslist. And people all the time put in their ad, to good home only. So I thought... You know what? We need to discuss how do you keep from having your cockerel, your rooster, or even your dog mm-hmm. end up in the hands of somebody who's a scumbag. Okay, so the first thing you have to understand is there are no magic words. <laughs> That's there, right. There is nothing you can write in the ad, maybe other than the fact that, by the way, I'm with the FBI. <laughs> but that's lying, unless you are actually with the FBI. You have to do more work than just put a couple words in an ad. Mm -hmm. You are going to have to put in a little effort to make sure that your little winged friend ends up where he's supposed to go. Mm -hmm. The way we do that is we actually meet with the people when they show up. Right. We spend time with them. 
you know, when they come in, they meet with friendly Don and Susie. And Don sits there and talks to them for 10, 15 minutes about, you know, how you set up at home. You know, do you have a coop set up already? How big is it? What kind did you get? All just friendly questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very conversational, but you're really asking those pointed questions for a reason. Yeah, I'm trying to see the reaction when you say, well, you know, do you have a coop set up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what color is it? Uh, uh, gray? <laughs> like, hmm, that's weird. Yeah. And if they answer every question that way, uh, something's not right here. I'm going to invite you to leave at that point. Mm-hmm. There have been a couple times where we say, you know what? Um, nothing against you. I just don't think this is the right animal for you. Mm-hmm. Now, most of the time when we've had to do that, We've been able to tell right on the phone before we even give them our address or have them out at the house. You know, it's like you want to feel these people out before they come to your home. Uh, Last thing you want is someone knowing your address and then you tell them, sorry, get lost. Um, So these things are usually weeded out over the phone. It requires a certain amount of courage. Mm -hmm. And this is what I mean. Almost everybody has this little spidey sense in the back of their head. Yeah. And when you talk to somebody... You know when they're lying. Most of the time, yes. No, I think all the time, you know when somebody's lying for the most part. The thing is, the reason people get screwed is not because they didn't have the spidey sense. It's because they didn't pay attention to the spidey sense. Mm -hmm. It's because they didn't want to be rude to somebody. Right. You know, you get on the car lot and you know the guy's lying to you. (laughs) You know, oh yeah, this is the only blue Ford they've made this year. And it only had one owner, and it was an 82-year-old lady who just drove it to and from church. And you know they're lying. Right. But for most people, when they kind of catch somebody in that, they're really just too courteous to not call them on it. Right. So that's how people get talked into things that they know weren't right. And later they'll say, I knew it was bad. I just knew it. (laughs) That's right. But they didn't want to be rude. This is how, unfortunately, a lot of women get taken advantage of. Right. You know, the the elevator stops. They're the only one on the elevator. Someone gets on and something in the back of their head says, you need to get off this elevator right now. Mm-hmm. But then their brain says, yeah, but then that's going to look like I'm not a nice person and I'm going to be judgmental and I'm, I'm judging that person. And then they get taken advantage of. Right. It's because they were too afraid to be rude. Right. And that's the part where the courage comes in. One, either on the phone or when they show up, you need to sort of talk to them a little bit and see if their story makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then the most important part is when you hear that little thing in the back of your head saying, yeah, this isn't right. You have to have the courage to say to the person, you know, I don't think this is the right animal for you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to see if I can find a home for him somewhere else. Yeah. And it takes a little guts to say that because people look at you like, what? Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? What are you saying? I'm not a good chicken parent? No, that's not what I'm saying. You know, I've never looked at somebody and says, I think you're going to use this rooster for cockfighting. Mm -hmm. I've never said that. But you don't have to give specifics. You don't owe them anything. Mm -hmm. Well, I drove all the way out here. Well, thanks for coming out, Bob. (laughs) Nice (laughs) Nice talking to you. Nice to meet you. Have a nice drive back. So anyway, it sounds simple. The easy part is talking it. The hard part is walking it. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you really do care about your animals and you want to make sure that when you do have to get rid of a cockerel or a rooster, that it's going to go to the right place and it's not going to go to the wrong place, that's what you got to do. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough, but uh, I think well worth it. Well, it'll help you sleep better at night. <laughs> I know it does me. That's right. Because every time we've rehomed an animal, and I've always known, is this going to be used as a pet or is this going to be used as dinner? Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. Every time we've gotten rid of one of our chickens, I've gone to sleep that night thinking, I'm glad that turned out the way it did. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, as always, thank you for listening. If you like the show, consider going to iTunes and giving us a really nice rating over there. Also, tell a friend and get them listening. And if you want to see the show notes for this episode, go to onlinechickenschool.com slash the number 52. Well, that's all for today. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Online Chicken School podcast. Look for us on the web at onlinechickenschool.com.